Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are, as we are here sometimes on Saturdays. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a show, but uh, good to see you, Moniz. How you doing? All right. Good to see you, Tim. Yeah, we've both been very, very busy lately. Yeah, well, there was one week where I said I'm just going to stay home and watch WrestleMania. There was there was that. I wasn't too busy that well, weekend. Priorities. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's not my fault. They decided to make it a two-night event now. So, it, and the Saturday night one was good. I'm glad that I was home watching that one live. I enjoyed it. I would have been happier if uh, we had done Spooky South Coast on Sunday and I didn't have to watch Sunday night's less than spectacular part. But anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. I, t- I actually talked about wrestling quite a bit on my daytime show recently. So, um, we probably got that out of our system then. But uh, we will be talking about the paranormal because tonight we're going to talk about a topic that is uh, going around. Well, it, I mean, I guess I started it accidentally. So one of the questions that comes up a lot is what people are, will, you know, what, what, when does a place charge too much for paranormal investigation of a location? When do they have, oh, Jesus, things setting off. It's setting off stuff. I gotta, I gotta get them to fix that. They still don't know the end. The, the uh, program director doesn't know why it does that, and I'm like, I don't know either. <laughs> like you're the one that's supposed to know that. So if you're listening on the stream, you just heard an Alexa spot. I'm, I'm sorry. So, but the, you know, the question that comes up is, you know, why, why do places charge this much? Uh, why is this place this much money to investigate, and this place is this much money to investigate? Why does one owner of a place charge differently than a previous owner charged? All of these questions come up quite a bit and the bottom line is it all comes down to one thing what people will pay yeah it's it's a supply and demand economy it's it's capitalist economy so it's it's about what people are willing to pay for those things and and you know of course a lot of the people that are involved in the paranormal understand that it's a hobby for a lot of folks Mm -hmm. and that it's not something that they have a lot of money set aside to be able to do. So they, you know, they're, they're reasonable about reasonable about it. I don't know that I've ever had anybody that's told me a dollar figure for renting out a place that I said, that's too much money. Maybe the new price that they have for renting out the Lizzie Borden house, according to the website, it's something like, you know, it's a two-night minimum to rent it out for a private thing. And if you do only rent it for one night, they charge you like a premium on top of that. So it comes out to something like 3000 bucks to rent the place out for one night uh, from the last time I checked on the website. Wow. But I think that's designed because, you know, they, they want to make that a premium because they don't want to have a lot of those nights happening because that's how much they can make if they're doing their regular thing. Right. So you're, you, have to sup, you have to replace the income that they would have normally. So uh, while I don't like it, I don't fault them for it either. Like that's, well, if, if that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. You paid almost $2 million for the place. You got to do it. Yeah. So, I, I, it's business. I, it's a business. Yes. And, and, and that's the thing that gets me. And we've had this conversation before is that paranormal investigators seem to think that because it's something that they do where they don't charge people. If they, if you call them to your house and you want them to come and investigate, they come and they do it for free. You know, some sometimes people might charge a, a stipend for gas if they have to travel far. Like, you know, you could call a, a more local group that we work with, but if you want us to come and drive the 200 miles, you know, we're going to have to charge yeah. you for gas. But, you know, generally they don't charge for the service of the investigation. So 
and again, it's a hobby. It's something people do in their spare time. It's something that people are investing their own money in. So I understand why people might feel like they should be able to get access to these places. But, and I, I, I've said this before on the show, I have a lecture that I do about, you know, haunted properties. And I say the same thing in that too. Nobody owes you anything because you are into the paranormal. Nobody owes you access to their haunted location because you are into the paranormal. It's their property. If they want to charge you $1,000 to walk through the door, they can. And if nobody comes and pays them $1,000, well, then they'll start dropping that price. But if somebody keeps paying them $1,000, well, then that becomes the value of that house, right. of that location. The price the market will bear for that renting. And that's all you're actually doing. You're renting a piece of property for the evening, the right to be there. It's, I look at it this way. If you're getting married and you want to rent the hall, you're going to pay whatever the hall price is for the, for that day on that wedding for, uh, for the day of that wedding, correct? Yeah, and and the the other part of it too is that there's there's certain things that are involved with having a venture like that that people don't necessarily understand. There's insurance, and insurance oh, yeah. on a place like that is it's not, not cheap. cheap. Yeah, uh, when we do single event insurance, and I, I've talked about this before, because we, you know, if if we go and do an event at a place that doesn't have its own insurance policy, well, then we have to get an insurance policy for the event. And I can tell you right now, depending on what the location is, the type of location. You know, obviously if it's, you know, if it's a house, if it's a, a building or if it's a business or something, it's a little bit easier. Also, they probably have their own insurance, but it's a little bit easier to get a good deal on insurance for a one night event there because it's safer. But if you're going to be going to say, like when we used to go to Fort Tabor right. and we had to carry an insurance policy for that, it's like $500 for the night. Yep. So there's a lot of other things that are involved in it that people just don't take into consideration. And I just, I see it all the time where people get upset about, well, this person charges this, but when, when I used to go there before, I only pay this. Well, it's, that's just what it costs. If you don't like what it costs, don't go there. But nobody owes you anything. Nobody owes it to you because you're into the paranormal. There's a guy, uh, another guy in New England that I used to get into arguments with all the time on social media because every time there, we would have an event he would complain about what the prices were. I'm like, well, do you understand like what we provide for the price that we charge? We are giving people access to the location, which costs us money per person. Yep. We are usually food. having to buy insurance. And, and food. Food. And then I got to pay everybody something for their time. And, you know, I can't just say, hey, do you want to come and do this event? And we're going to, you know, make a bunch of money and you don't get any of it. So you're going to divide some of that up. You got to buy equipment. I was going to say, what about all the little incidental things? Those things are the things that actually tend to add up. Every time I do an event, I go, I do the same thing. I go to the store, I get yep. uh, soda, I get chips, I get bottles of water, I get the cookies. Plates, the the silverware, the napkins. Because I don't yep. walk in assuming that the location is going to have those things Correct. for me. And then, you know, we usually order pizza for dinner, but I don't even assume that the pizza place is going to be able to give us paper plates right. or napkins. You know, yep. I bring all that. Heck, we had to go out and buy our own pizza cutters. 
yeah. because of one particular <laughs> incident. So, and so we do all of that. And then what do I do after that? I go to the dollar store and I get batteries. I get uh, flashlights for the people that don't have them, you know, and I'm still walking out of there spending 50 or 60 bucks in the dollar store, just getting all these little things so that, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're dollar store batteries, so they're not the best batteries in the world. But if your batteries die in your device, I and have some for you to go. how often do batteries Die in a haunted house, and, and so that's so that's a, an interesting side note about. Uh, and we're going to be joined, by the way, yeah. in just a little bit by Jacqueline Nunez, who is the owner of the Conjuring House, because that was kind of at the center of some of this this controversy this week. Uh, but when I go to the dollar store and buy the batteries, it's always a debate because is it the battery that's well, just and because I, it's cheap? Should or? I buy the cheap batteries because they're going to get drained? And what's the point of buying? batteries that are four times more expensive if they're just going to get drained versus is it because it's a cheap battery that it's getting drained so it's it's hard so what i've done is i've taken all the devices that i use and i don't know what other people bring and if i have to give them batteries for that but i've taken all the devices that i use and put dollar store batteries in them and just let them run at home and seeing how long those last and you know how like batteries you yeah. tell you they're rated for like 35 hours I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever had anything that's lasted 35 hours with a battery in it. Maybe a radio, because radios don't draw that much battery right. power. Um, but for the most part, these devices, though, they seem to last as long as like a regular Duracell. You know, I'm not going to go buy the extra max and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, to me, that's you're paying double for not much for the same battery. Yeah. Just looks a little different. But uh, the dollar store batteries seem to hold their own. They're certainly fine for the night. So if they do get drained... It's probably because of something going on and not just because of their cheap dollar store batteries, but I would never say that I have scientifically proven that. <laughs> Why don't well we be. do that as a test? Because I don't think that a dollar store battery is going to be the same from purchase to purchase either. <laughs> so it depends. Well, the same with the store-bought. Yeah, you don't know how long they've been sitting there. My my grandmother used to buy... Well, I've done tests similar to... I worked for, what, several years in basically underwriter's laboratory, and that's what we would do is we would compare national brands or mainstream brands to off brands or you know and you'd be surprised how what we'll say comparable some uh knockoffs actually are and in some cases they were actually even better than you know your national brand so if you want to do this test i know how to set it up my uh my grandmother used to buy batteries and keep them in the refrigerator before you use them. Like, she would buy them brand new and then keep them in the fridge. Does that make a difference? Does that really help them any? No. Actually, it does worse for batteries, but... I don't know. She did it all the time. Okay. Here's a good example. How well does your car work in the winter when you're trying to start it? Well, that's different. In... I need that to spark. Like this... no, no, it's... The coldness in the battery is what your problem is. The The... All I know is she only bought Duracell, so it was always Duracell batteries in the fridge. And, like, you'd go into the fridge and be like, I got to open up the thing and get some butter. Oh, it's filled with C batteries. Like, oh, two things. One, why are you keeping batteries in the fridge? And two, why did you buy C batteries? Like, the most useless battery of all. <laughs> like, Well, you got that odd flashlight that takes, you know, three of them. Yeah, there's... <clears throat> Like, I don't think I've had anything that took a C battery since uh, since 1989. <laughs> um, so we got a, we have a phone call that um, has, uh, 
by the way, I just got an app chat message on the WBSM app. If you want to call in during the course of the discussion, you can. We are going to have Jacqueline Nunez on in just a little bit. She's going to be calling in to, to talk with us a little bit about um, the way that they handle things at the Conjuring House when it comes to what they charge people. Uh, but then we can take your phone calls throughout the rest of the show at 508-996-0500. We can also take your app chat messages and your open line messages on the WBSM app. So if you open up the app, there's a couple of options there. One, you can hit app chat in the middle and you can text us right here in the studio and we will text you back or, or you know, we'll read it on the air, one or the other. Probably more likely we'll read it on the air. And uh, then the other option is you can hit open line and you can actually record what you want to say and we can play it on the program. I just need to be able to preview it. So it's a little bit iffy on this show about previewing it when I'll have time because we don't take commercials. We kind of go straight through. So if I can get Moniz to, to go off on a rant while I can preview it, great. But sure. uh, otherwise, I might have to wait for the second hour just be, so I'll have time to listen to it during the news. And help me out. Just keep it clean and ready for air and it'll be a lot easier that way so those are just some of the same ways but i just got an app chat message and uh i will say um to the person that app chatted me yes you 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 nailed it exactly right um all right let's take this phone call really quick before jacqueline joins us oh look see there goes the alexa thing again uh good evening you were on spooky south coast hello hey gentlemen how you doing i've been looking forward to this show well, I got about two minutes before our guest is going to join us. So, what's on your mind? All right, you guys need to look into the Bridgewater Triangle, the Harbor Mark Swamp. <laughs> this is you're new to the program, aren't you? Yeah, I'm new to the program. We've been we we every year for the last 17 years, we have at least one episode every year where we actually talk about the Bridgewater Triangle and the swamp. We have teams yep. that go out into the triangle and investigate live and report back to us. But I can tell you, we you wouldn't know about the Bridgewater Triangle if it, if wasn't, it wasn't for, show. for us. Yeah. Oh, I've known about it since I was a kid. Well, I'm saying in general. Yeah. We helped it's with the documentary, complete. several books about it. Yeah, we're, we're familiar. I, with it. I will say this really quick, and then I'm going to hang up and listen to The Conjuring House. Um, I'm a little iffy on that one, but um, the Bridgewater Triangle, there's no swamp in the area like it on the East Coast. In so, what in the, manner? The, there's no, there's no swamp like it. It's the biggest swamp on the East Coast. I think. I, the, I don't know. I think Florida, in New England, Florida might it, disagree with you. Well, no, in New England it is. Yeah. And um, also, there's like it's. It doesn't just affect the swamp area. There's neighborhoods that are in it, and people got houses. And they're in the Bridgewater Triangle area. Oh no, the the Bridgewater Triangle isn't isn't just limited to what it was, you know, originally back in the '80s anymore. No, it goes uh, the way I define it. It goes all the way up into New Hampshire, all the way out into into Western Rhode Island, and uh, down through Cape Cod. It, it's growing and it's alive. And I know one thing too. I know they talk about Bigfoot in there. They've also spotted bears. There's supposedly no bears around this immediate part of the area. You have to go to the western part of the state. Nope, that's no, not true anymore bears either. Yeah, there. there's there's bear, black bears here well, now, too. They, of yeah. course there's bears in there. No question about it. I don't know about Bigfoot, but I'm not going to I'm not gonna uh, say there is a Bigfoot. Um, it could be very possible. But anyway, I'm going to listen to the conjuring thing, and if uh, I get a chance to call in, I will, and I won't be rude, but <laughs> I have a few um, questions about the conjuring. Sure, we can we can certainly dig into it a little bit later on in the program. 
All right, it's very good to hear that. I've been waiting for this show. You told me about it. I've been waiting for it. Well, we will. Uh, we'll talk to you in a little bit. All right, later, guys. Thank right. you for calling. So we we do have uh, our guest joining us now on the line. Um, we have Jacqueline Nunez, who is the owner of the Conjuring House. But before we get into it with her, let me just give a really quick layout of what happened. So. Uh, every once in a while, there's an opportunity for folks to get a night at the Conjuring House at a discounted rate. If somebody cancels out and, you know, or if there's something that came up and somebody can't make it anymore, they're always good about putting up this deal to give people an opportunity to be able to rent the home out for a, a, a discounted price. And I shared it, and I usually share it when they put this up there. Because I have a lot of friends that want to go, mm -hmm. and I think this is a great chance for them to get in there. And so I, I shared it out on, I think it was Thursday, Thursday afternoon, maybe Friday. I forget when it was. But um, I shared it out, and then the comments kind of got a little wild with people that were upset about a particular restriction that they have on that deal. So joining us now, we have Jacqueline Nunez, who's going to discuss that with us. Good evening, Jacqueline. How are you? Uh, hi, Tim. Uh, I'm well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. And so, first of all, um, we haven't really had a chance to talk with you here on the program since uh, since you took over the home. But tell us a little bit about, you know, why you wanted to, to buy the Conjuring House and, and the way that you have uh, handled things there since you took over. Yeah. So, I mean, when I first saw the, the listing that it was for sale, I was extremely interested. And then, of course, when I the minute I walked on the property, I was like, oh my God, I have to, I have to have this property. So I've always been interested in paranormal and I've, and I've, I've stated before, I kind of have come to the paranormal side from the spiritual side. I believe that, you know, we're conscious beings having a human experience. And so owning the conjuring house with a tremendous activity gives us an opportunity to engage with people that have passed on in in very authentic ways and in very many different ways so it's it's pretty incredible and so yeah absolutely incredible so um and as far as giving uh access to the house so once i bought it i started to uh and we have really expanded uh the offerings that that we have um so if someone can get access to the Conjuring House for $25 on a tour, uh, up to uh, paying for an overnight in investigation, which we have different prices for both the, the weekday and, uh, and a weekend night. I mean, we, we are booked. I don't have, I don't think, one Saturday left in 2023. Most of our Fridays are already booked. I mean, we... We are booked, and our tours consistently sell out. So um, there's definitely, definitely a demand for people to to get into the house. And you know, I've told people who want to go there. I have plenty of friends who have said that they want to get there and investigate. And I've talked with them about the different opportunities. Nobody has shied away from the prices. Nobody has shied away from wanting to take part. But it's the same thing. They just, you know, they say like you're saying, it's just hard to get, you know, an opening. I tell yeah. everybody, take that tour. Even even if you plan on going back later and doing an investigation, take that tour because you can get all of the information and the history and have that experience there, and then you're already armed with that when you finally do get to go back for the investigation. Yeah, one one thing that's been fun is how many people and how often people walk to the door that you know have never been there before and, and don't even have paranormal experience. 
um, they're just they're paranormal curious. And so that's what our a lot of our uh, like our tours, right? It's people that want to hear history. They want to get a little taste of of the paranormal. So then they'll come. They'll come on a regular tour. Then they'll come on our extended tour, which is forty five dollars, and they get a tour and they get a mini investigation. And it's incredible how active <laughs> these tours can be as well. And then they get more excited. So then they come to one of our what we call a go event. We also offer opportunities for people to book individually. They can come on a five-hour investigation for a hundred bucks, and they're with our host investigating for five hours. Or we do go all night events where they can pay and come individually and stay all night. And then we have plenty of hosts that host their own events. So we collaborate with paranormal groups that host people. So we have a fair amount of that as well. And there's a lot of variety in approach and variety in the way that you, you know, want to investigate. So there's there's kind of something that fits for everybody. And uh, and one thing that I will point out, because it, it's come up in a lot of the conversations, at least in the three times I've been there uh, since you took over, there doesn't seem to be like you are, you, you're not, you're not pushing any kind of history that isn't verifiable. That, you know, there's a lot of legend that has come up around that house and it seems like for the most part you will address that you'll mention it the the tour guides will mention that but it, it that doesn't have to guide the things that are going on you you really only talk about what is you know verifiably proven as opposed to some of these stories that have developed over the years yeah and and that's been important to me as the owner that we get the facts as well as we can know them right since so much of the history was in 17 and 1800s but what we do not for example all of the 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 stuff about Bathsheba being a witch and impaling an infant. I mean, you know, that was good for Hollywood. They made a great movie. Who doesn't love the Conjuring movie? It just wasn't true <laughs> to the facts of, of the house and the, and a lot of the facts of the story of, of the parents there. So we feel it's necessary for us to straighten some of these stories out, the history as we know it, because honestly the house is so, it doesn't need these, lies and perpetuations it doesn't mean it. the house activity what happened yesterday or what happened three days ago it stands on its own I, and yeah yeah i was gonna say i've had plenty of experiences in the three times that i've been there without having any of it have to relate back to any of those stories either because it's just there's there's something that's going on there yeah yeah so you know i had read your the, some of the thread and the comments and i mean i I get it. You know, change can be hard for people, and, and definitely there have been some changes that have been made with with my ownership. Um, and I, one thing that I would like people to understand, I mean, I I now have eight people on staff. Eight. Wow. And we and unlike other businesses, we are staffed twenty four seven. We can't leave that house alone because the trespassing and I've. You know, I've had to invest a lot of money on a state of new state-of-the-art security system with multiple cameras, with face recognition, with all sorts of stuff because we get we get a lot of trespassing, and so um, so that's just another that's just an, another business expense. And, and yes, I am running a business, and I'll never apologize for making a living. Like no one should have to apologize for making a living. But I also feel like I'm doing what I can to keep the house accessible to to people. And that's why, you know, we do offer these half nights 
off when we can. And the reason why we I, we have the what I call content creators, uh, why I've put restrictions on who can book those half price nights, because when we offer half price night, we want you know we want a group coming in that wouldn't necessarily otherwise be able to have the money at that time to come in at the regular price. Right, and, and the, the- so those are the kind of people that that we want to come, not someone who's going to who has. Five million followers, and they're paying half price, and then they're going to make however much off of that off of that video. Right, and that is an important thing. The content creators are coming in there. You know, sure, they want to have the experience too, but they're also going to make videos that they're going to put up, and they're going to monetize, and they're going to make revenue from. And a lot of times, they have sponsors that are already sponsoring yeah. them to be able to pay for these trips anyway. So yeah. it, it seems like it would be pointless to, and, and as I mentioned in, in some of my comments and in the thread that people got all up in arms over, if you go and you have a coupon that you bring to a restaurant or or any coupon that you use in the supermarket when you're shopping, there's restrictions at the bottom of it. There's there's qualifications as to how you can use that, that, that restriction, that uh, discount. Can I ask yeah. a question? Well, it's, you're a co-host, so yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, now, you offer a different price for people that come in and hold their own events in the house, correct? Uh, yes, I work with hosts that are hosting their own events. Okay, the so yeah. they have a particular rate. Their their audience is brought to the physical being. So they, they obviously pay a higher price than these other people that are just, you know, coming in for little one-nighter things, doing it as a hobby. So the way I see it, these influencers are having virtual people. Yeah, it's the same. Uh, the, oh. To me, that it's the same thing. It's just that their their clientele that they're coming uh, are on a video, not not physically it's, in the building. So why should they not pay the same price as somebody having an in person event? That's the way I see it. Right, it's a commercial venture yeah. either way, yeah. Jacqueline. Yes, yes, that's right, and it also. Well, and, and we don't actually don't charge that much more for content creators that have over fifteen thousand dollars. It's really not that much more. It's only like a couple hundred bucks, it, you know. And, and but depending on also who it is, we treat someone coming in with, you know, twenty million followers a little differently. And, and also in terms of the contracts that they have to sign, you know, I now have a social media agreement that anyone who intends to create content that they're going to be posting out on a social media platform they have they need to sign a contract with us because as i see it uh influencers content creators they're an extension of the conjuring house they what they put out there is out there right it's out there for however many people to see so it's important that they know the history and that they sign a contract with us agreeing to not do certain things because right? those, like, those things have happened yeah, those things have happened. And, uh, you know, I'll just give one quick example. We had very, very famous influencers in, and they did something that we felt was very disrespectful. And thank God I had but my contract with them. That I had to approve their video before it got released. And so we went through two revisions, and I'm like, take that out, take that out. And so they did, and then they ended up posting it, and it was fine. But, um, so yeah, so it's important to me that the house is not disrespected, spirits are not disrespected, 
other great fights are not disrespected, i.e. Bathsheba, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so that also kind of ties in with uh, with the additional cost for content creators. Just another way to to kind of um, filter, if you will, right? Because we want to we want to know what sort of content is going to be produced. You're trying to limit liability. Because if a content creator creates a content that has some, we'll call it slanderous or misrepresenting material, that can hurt you financially by other people canceling events. Oh, do I want to go because this person's now saying, right. you know, the higher the yeah. reach, unfortunately, the more yeah. it becomes part of the, right. the narrative. Yes. That's right. That's right. So. Well, let me just give you, for instance, not not to put you on the spot. Maybe this is something that's come up before. But let's just say, you know, I I have 10 million followers. I don't. Please follow me. But let's just say that I had 10 million followers and I, I reached out to you and I said, I want to come for the night. It's going to be myself and a, a couple of friends who want to investigate, but we're not recording it. We're not going to do any any content creation. It's just about going there and having an experience. Would they still be paying that higher rate or would that be something you would talk with them about and, and be I willing to negotiate? negotiate that because if they're not if they're just coming to investigate and they don't intend to create content that they're going to post later then then they're coming for an, an overnight investigation right and so we would just need to make sure that that was actually going to be their intention right that, that they weren't trying to pull one over on us which you know of course people have, have tried to do sure. so um so yeah yeah i just because they are a content creator, if they don't intend to create content at the Conjuring House, then just come in for an overnight. That's fine. I get, I, can I ask a question uh, sure. about about renting? Now, I'm the science advisor to the show, and uh, I'd, I would like to know what you would charge me as a scientist to go in there and do scientific studies. That's a great question. Um, and I would actually love to have scientists come in and do scientific studies. I think that that would be something that we would negotiate. Like, what what are you doing? Because I'm, I would well, love to have some. Well, I've been doing science done, so. and uh, you know researching the paranormal, both over well over thirty years, yeah. and uh, what I do for, you know, scientific investigations. You know, it's a protocol. Things are set and calibrated, and this and that, and you yeah. record and measure. When I do the regular ghost hunts, it's it's me, the person. You know, one is technical and it's instrumentational. And because yeah. if you did that stuff on a regular paranormal investigation that we brought folks it's, into, it's they, very they, boring they, doing they it. They get bored and they say, <laughs> yeah. this is the worst night of my life. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I would just say, be careful before you negotiate anything with Moniz. Meet him first and yeah. then, then decide <laughs> if you want to have him there well, for, for visiting five Andy or eight hours. tomorrow. I'm going to be right down the road. Go take a tour. I recommend it. All right. I, I, I couldn't recommend it more. Uh, so let's let's talk a little bit then about the, you know, the the way that since, as you mentioned, there have been instances of where the story has kind of gotten out there and, and been something that's kind of gotten out of control. There are things, as I mentioned before, that become part of the narrative because people are out there sharing these videos and you don't really have... Uh, uh, you don't really have a way that you can combat that because if you start calling them out as being wrong, they can turn around and say, well, we, Hey, we paid you to come and do this investigation. Why are you stepping all over the content that we created there? Yeah. So, and, and there's, it's just funny because I was sitting at the house today with um, Cody and Satori and we were just watching TikTok videos and I was just, you know, I was watching all these TikTok videos on 
the Conjuring House content, and I'm, you know, people that have never even been to the house and they're creating all this content. I mean, there's nothing that I can do about it, right? I can't do anything about that kind of content. But what I can try and do is when people are booking, like I said, have them sign an agreement so that we are on the same page about what and it's mostly about the things that we don't want them saying we don't want them talking about Bathsheba we don't want them disrespecting it's more about that um and educating them about the history but otherwise I I can't control it I have no control over what someone does that's never been to the house and I can tell you that when you're there uh you you do feel like you have you know the freedom and the access to have these experiences and so, you know, just being told that there's a few things that, you know, you don't want people pushing, it's not it's not really like you're telling them and trying to control what their content is. You're trying to make sure that they're not putting out misinformation already just because they might have seen something in the movie or seen something in somebody else's video. You're you're protecting their integrity just as much as you are the integrity of the house. Yes, and and educated and and honestly, some people who come in, I don't I don't assume that they have you know, bad intentions or anything that they they just don't know, right? They just they just they didn't know that Bathsheba was never a witch, right? They didn't they didn't know. So it's an opportunity to to educate. And most most of the content creators coming in that are signed the contract have put out content that's been fine, and they've been fine with it. Because you know, again, and to your point, I'm not trying to to control what they're don't doing more than making sure that they don't include and talk about certain things. That's mostly what it is. I, I do want to ask you because it was in the news this week that um, HBO Max is merging with Discovery Plus. They're coming out with a new uh, a new name for the service. It's going to just be called Straight Up Max. And as part of the new slate of shows that they announced, they're, they're going to be having a series based on The Conjuring. And it, it, the, the reports that I said didn't say, you know, based on Ed and Lorraine Warren. They all said that it was based on The Conjuring, the farmhouse in Rhode Island. And I don't know that that would bear out an entire series, but maybe. Have you heard anything about this and, and what they might have in store and if they would have you or the house be involved in it? I have not heard anything yet. I did read something about, I did read that they're going to be coming out with a with a television series on The Conjuring. But uh, I get, I didn't realize the article I read. I didn't realize that they intended to to focus on on the house in Harrisville. So this is news to me, and I had not heard anything. Well, again, I, I'm not really sure exactly where it is. I've reached out to some of my you know Hollywood contacts to see if they yeah. know anything, but um, I, I guess that would be a double edged sword for you, right? If it was about the farmhouse, it's really good for business, but it's also again more security measures that have to be put in place, more concern on that regard because it's going to be 2013 all over again. Yeah, yeah. Although, yes, yes and no. I think the difference one one big difference in 2013 certainly it was new. The 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 movie hit, of course, but also there was no outlet for access. There was no access to the house until the Heinzens bought it in 2019. So now there's all sorts of access, right? Tours and all sorts of stuff. So um, I'd like to think that the trespassing couldn't really get much worse at times than it already is. Um, and also given the fact that we do provide a lot of access to the house, 25 bucks and you're in, you yeah. know, 
You so. can't go wrong. I mean, I, I was telling somebody the other day, somebody called into my daytime show and was talking about it because I, I had mentioned the story about HBO Max and uh, the person had called in saying that they wanted to go there. And I said, hey, listen, you know, the, the tour is basically going to cost you like a little bit more than it would cost you to go to see a horror movie in the theater. But you're in the actual place where the movie took place and, and, and you'll re- where, where the story took place. And you're going to realize that there's there's nothing horror about it. It's just an amazing place with amazing activity. Yeah, and and the what and the one thing that we offer anyone who attends the tour, like the actual tour itself, lasts maybe like forty five minutes, but then we give people a good half hour, or and sometimes longer, to just roam the property. They can go in all the rooms. They can. We don't have anything roped off, you know. We don't nothing like that. They can go in all the rooms, and they can take photos. We don't. We don't really allow. We don't allow video. They can take all the photos they want. They can walk the land. Um, so really, it's like they get like an hour and a half to be able to be in the property. Um, so, and people have taken great photos and stuff and, and posted. I sometimes I like to tease trespassers, right? Because they're trying to take a photo like from behind the barn, and you know, and it's not a very good angle. And like, if you pay twenty five bucks, you're gonna get some really great photos. Yeah. So just. Go to the website and book a tour. And also, I want to mention, too, before we let you go, that uh, the 2023 Ocean State Paracon is happening September yep. 9th and 10th. It's returning to Harrisville for the uh, the 10th anniversary of The Conjuring film. And, and you've been kind enough to work with Ken DaCosta and Rise Up Paranormal to be able to have access to the house. And, of course, the entire weekend is going to be focusing on The Conjuring story. And it's always, you know, it's always for charity. It's always a great cause. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm totally excited about it, and I'm thrilled that it's coming back to Harrisville to the Assembly Theater. I think that I think that's fantastic, and it's going to be where you know I'm working with Rise Up, and we're um, you know planning it all, and they're telling me all the things that they want to do. So I can't wait for it, and they're already getting a lot of hits and questions and responses, asking when they can book things and stuff. I've already release the the day tours that we're offering on that weekend um and then we're doing a fundraiser that sunday night uh for the charity with um with a five-hour investigation with rise up well looking forward to taking part i'll be there as a as a guest this year again and uh looking forward to seeing you again hopefully i don't have to wait until september to see you again i know we'll just come and come and see me anytime tim and thank you so much for having me on tonight i uh, greatly appreciate you giving me an opportunity to just kind of explain my side of the story, if you will. Anytime you need the airwaves, we have them for you. All right. Thank you, Tim. Thank Thank you. you. Okay. Bye-bye. That is Jacqueline Nunez, the owner of The Conjuring House, and uh, it's that's... feel it's important. I'm glad that she reached out to come on because it's important to get that first-hand perspective. I, you know, I I would have reached out to her to have her come on, but I just assumed that you know they're always yeah. busy on a Saturday night, so I didn't want to bother her. Um, but certainly, it, it's important to have that perspective because people look at it on the surface and they say, "Well, they're they're going to charge people more money because they have a following." Like, don't you want people with a following to get out there and advertise your place for you? Uh, it's the Conjuring House. They don't need any yeah. extra advertising. They need to protect the integrity of what's going on there. And so you get some firsthand information there about just why they're doing that. And I and I think that it's important. And you know what else is important? I got an app chat message during the conversation from Corey Heinzen, the former owner of The Conjuring House, 
who said, we unfortunately never babysat content creators, and it bit us in the butt quite a few times. So here you have the previous owner that was you know, the first to yeah. let people into the building and, and, and into the home and to let them create this content. And is he saying, like, we should have had better control over that because that's how some of this stuff got out there. And uh, certainly you can't control the narrative of what people say once they go out and they do whatever, but you should be able to... Um, you should be able have to protect yourself in, with, you know, liability clauses and whatever in, in in agreements. If you're signing up to go use a person's property, private property, and they give you a list of things, don't do this, don't do that, and you ignore it, you, you should be able to be, you know, held accountable for it. Then. And when you walk into the conjuring house, there is a list of rules of the house on the wall that you have the option of saying when you get there and you see them, uh, never mind. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take part anymore if those are the rules that are, and it's not, you know, it's not like it's anything major. It's like, you know, no smoking. Uh, I think like the, the, my favorite is, uh, I think it's rule number four, Corey, you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's either four or seven, but no, no sex in the house. Okay. So, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, when you're having a sleepover and everybody's in their sleeping bags, nobody wants to, nobody wants to encounter that. But anyway, there's, you know, just the certain rules that they need to protect the experience yeah. for everybody else. And, and saying to somebody, we don't want you pushing what we know is a false narrative, I think is totally fair. And it's not like this is the Lizzie Borden case where you walk into that house and there are people who still adamantly believe that she committed those murders, even though she was acquitted. And you still want to kind of push that narrative. I, you know, that, that comes with the territory mm -hmm. of the Lizzie Borden case because of the fact that, yes, she was she was um, acquitted of the charges, but still there's, there's questions about it. This is all stuff that has been demonstratively proven to not be the case. Right. That there was some incorrect information that got out at the time that Andrea Perrin was writing her books, which is incorrect information that her mother got when she was doing the research back in the 70s. And so that led to some misinformation that kept getting pushed on in the years since. It's what's called, what we used to call the telephone game. One thing sparks another, so, you know, that, that's incorrect and, and, and it builds And Andrea there. has come forward and said, you know, listen, yeah. like I was wrong to, you know, in volume one, she might say Bathsheba Sherman was the witch who, you know, stabbed a baby in the neck with a knitting needle. And then in volume three, she says that turned out to be incorrect because she found out more and things evolved. The story evolved as, th as, as time went on. People just are gravitating toward the simplest stuff, which is watching the movie, watching the YouTube videos, watching the TikTok videos, and taking all of that as gospel. And they're not doing the work of actually researching what went on there. Let me tell you this, and I'm just going to tell you this as somebody who has been there and had experiences there. Don't worry about any of that. Don't worry about you know, which, uh, which members of the family died on the property, who might've hung themselves in the barn, who might've slit their, who might've had their throats slit. Don't worry about any of those stories because none of that matters to the activity that's going on. If you're, if you're communicating with people in that home, it's not going to be most of those people that were mentioned in the story in those stories, because it turns out none of them really lived there. You know, some, some of the stories are about people that live there, but a lot of them are about people that had nothing to do with it. So don't worry about those stories. Just go in there as you should go into most investigations and just see what happens. Yeah. Let them tell you who they are and why they are there. Don't go in there and say, you know, I want to talk to Bathsheba Sherman because you're the witch that's, that stabbed a baby in the neck. You know, besides the fact, like, please stop impugning this poor woman who had nothing to do with that house. Don't go in there with a bias like that. Yeah. You're going to have a much better investigation if you don't.
Well, I definitely want to go in and do some scientific investigations, which doesn't involve, you know, calling out witches and whatever. It's just setting up equipment and monitoring and measuring. I will tell you that most of the experiences that I've had there, though, are extremely unscientific. <laughs> Still mind-blowing, but I don't think you would be able to look at those rationally and be like, I think I can prove why, how, why this is happening. <laughs> like, I, I, can't, I can't explain it. And when we come back from the break, we can talk a little bit more about that. We can also take your phone calls at 508-996-0500. We can take your app chat messages via the WBSM app, a really fun way to interact with us during the show. Uh, we can also take your open line voicemails. If you want to leave us a voicemail, we can play it on the show a little bit later on. Um, and in fact, if you wanted to leave a voicemail for us on the open line feature on the app, now would be the time to do it so that I can check it during the break and be able to play it. It's just the rules. I can't play any any audio without pre-screening it, and I can't pre-screen it while I'm talking. So this would be the best time to be able to do that. And then also, uh, we'll discuss not only a little bit more about this, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the other locations, famous locations that charge money and why they can charge what they charge. And I want to hear your thoughts on it. Please call in, no matter how you feel about it, this is a, a discussion worth having, and then maybe we can come to a little bit of understanding as to why it is. And maybe you'll also get a little bit of a different perspective on some of these haunted locations and what it takes to be the person to own it and to be able to keep those doors open so that people can have access to it. Because you know what could have happened? That house could have been bought by somebody who said, you know what, I live here now, please leave me alone, and then you wouldn't have had access anymore. So we're going to take a break. We'll be back after the news with more Spooky Self Coast. of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. And just really quickly, caller, we're going to get to you because you've been waiting patiently to talk about the paranormal with us. But before we get back into that, I just want to address a, a app chat message that I got from Aaron who said, how can I get tickets to that paranormal convention uh, that is going to be in Harrisville, Rhode Island, that is going to have uh, an involvement with The Conjuring House. They're going to have a screening of The Conjuring movie with Andrea Perrin hosting it that'll be happening in the Assembly Theater. It's happening September 9th and 10th at the Assembly Theater in Harrisville, Rhode Island, and it's being put on by Rise Up Paranormal. So all you have to do to get your tickets is go to riseupparanormal.com, and you can click right on. They have a link right on the front there, 2023 convention announced. Click on that, and you'll get all the details. Uh, I don't know how many tickets are left for some of the special events that are happening in connection with The Conjuring House, but I know that there are still tickets available for a lot of those. So check it out for yourself. Uh, and all the money that is raised goes toward a good charity each and every year. So it's definitely worth uh, you going out there and, and learning about it 
getting to meet the people involved in it. You're going to get to meet Andrea Perrin. Uh, so you'll get to hear her firsthand account of everything that happened in that house. And uh, you'll be able to actually be in the town and maybe even see the farmhouse for yourself. So uh, again, riseupparanormal.com has all of that information. But right now, let's go to the phones because this person has been waiting patiently. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Good evening. You were on Spooky South Coast. Hello. What's shaking, Playboy? Hey, Lamone. I, I figured figured you might you be owe, the one on the you line. You owe me five bucks. Yeah, well, yeah, you, you do your own five bucks. Well, I've got I've got a couple of things I want to say. All right. Uh, you know that since Jimmy G, you know, Jimmy Garofalo, he's, he's now he's going to be playing the qu quarterback for the Oakland Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. There's, you know, the chicken ranch out here. You know, the bordello that's mm -hmm. outside of Prump. They, uh, there's, uh, they offered him a lifetime supply of free services. And and, and so even though I don't know how long I guess lifetime is a long time. And one of the one of the one of the, the two ladies in particular uh looked like Molly Ringwald. And so just throwing that out there. And so you could see like Art Bell I, I said I could see Art Bell's house from the from, from the front door. I mean you could see Art Bell's house from from the parking lot or from the Chicken Ranch building from there. And and we, we we just uh, observed five yeah. years of art being gone. Yes, that is true. And you know, by what's her face? I'm not going to bring her name up. You know, it's still around there at the house, I guess. So. Oh, yeah, so she's still I, around? I, I haven't heard from her in, in a couple of years now. Did you find out about the other program that she was doing? No. Well, I, should, oh, well, I thought you were going to ask uh, Michelle about it. You know, because, yeah, because I know that she's doing something with other uh, dark dark matter uh, programming media. Yeah. Okay. So, so, all right. So, do you guys, do you two guys like uh, Danzig? Oh yeah, yeah. Now you know. Now listen to this. Okay, he's going to be here at the Tropicana on the 14th of uh, uh, May. He's going to be. It's going to be Danzig sings Elvis. Okay. All right. Thing, that the I, I, the tickets are like two hundred twenty five dollars to two uh two seventy six. I wouldn't for that kind of money. See, maybe if he's back with the Misfits, the reunion, I maybe something like that. But to see him sing Elvis, I do not see him singing like Elvis. Well, and I mean, I, he he has a, a baritone voice, doesn't he? That might work out. Yeah, but you know, just be, you know. He, he, you see him as? Can, would you guys pay that kind of money to see him? I I think you need to combine Elvis and and, and Danzig together See, and that, have you know, that's what I was saying. If he's singing as you know, covering just basic Elvis songs I, like no, Elvis I, would sing, I would like to see him doing a, a, a Misfits version of Elvis. I think you stuff. need to have that's all right, oh, mother. <laughs> like I think that would work out. <laughs> that sounds awfully enticing. Yeah, see, he made it sound a lot more better because I was like. I was like, well, that sounds like fun. So are you guys going to come out, fly out for the for the festivities? Uh, probably not, no. Yeah. I, Lamone, I might be heading out in the fall to see you two at the residency that they're doing. So if I'll be I, seeing you two also. If I can get tickets, I will definitely uh, I definitely will reach out to you. I'm going to hold you there, Lamone, because we're going to jump back into our conversation. Okay. But, I wanted to say a couple more things about, like, what, uh, but, like, I know that, um, if you do come out here, I will take you guys. Oh, oh, oh like uh, last week, I, I sang with Sing out here. You know, he, he was doing the thing out here. I sang uh, every little thing she does is magic with him on stage. Is, is, is there video of this? I got to see this. I, I'm sure there is. I don't know. It's probably I, on I, YouTube. I where, where did he play out there? What, what was he his, He had his residency, right? 
Yeah, well, just 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 for a few days. This is like for the um, he was here for the third, the fourth, the seventh, the ninth, and uh, the, the twelfth, something like that. And that was the one I went up there. So that's um, so I'm thinking like because I don't think that's where he did his residency earlier in the year, but he, he went to do another one here. But there's also going to be oh, oh you know like I told you, Abba, Abba's mm-hmm. going to be here. They're they're they've got a residency so that. Art, Art would have been player. front row for that. Oh, yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, and, and there's no more Pointer Sisters. All the Pointer Sisters are dead. Yeah. You know, all, all the singing Pointer Sisters, you know. And that was that was really good. I got tick, I got a uh, pass for him and Ramona to come up to the Las Vegas Hilton when they were doing, uh, when they were here doing a New Year's Eve show so they can go come up and see that, you know. That was kind of nice. That was so long ago. Oh, and so far away. Right. All right. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to hold you there, Lamone. But thank you for the call. And yeah, I'm uh, glad to talk to you guys. And it's nice to hear you guys. Likewise. Glad to get Matt back because you know it hasn't been the same without Matt to be in there. Well, I was uh, stuck know. in Roswell. Oh, oh, now you're so close. You're so far. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, All you right. have a good week. Right, we'll, we'll talk later, to you later. Playboy. God bless you. I'll see you guys soon. Maybe the well. Lord smile upon you guys. All right. Thank Goodbye, you. Players. Tell Glenn we said hi. <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. See you later. Sorry. All right. So anyway, let's uh, let's get back into the conversation. It's always hard. You know, we we, should, we have these interludes with Lamone, and then it comes hard, become harder to get back into the topic. But I, we did get some app chat messages uh, that I want to read. One comes from Scully in Wareham, who says, I had family come from Arkansas this past October to visit the Conjuring House. They couldn't believe that it cost so little to tour the house, given its significance. Totally worth the money. And uh, as you know, Moniz, I have a, a thing that I do every year where I have some friends that come from all over the country and yep. I take a couple of days off and, you know, drive them around and we go and check out things. So as, as part of their weekend last year, we went and we took the tour of the Conjuring House. It was my second time being there. And, you know, we had the tour where you get to, you get to, you get the whole tour about an hour and 40 minutes, hour and 45 minutes. And then you get to, to explore around for yourself. And, and actually Corey Heinzen was the one who, who gave the tour. It was funny because, you know, I'm just walking around with everybody. We're out, we went out to the, to the woods to where the bridge is. And he came down to make sure everybody kind of signed all the waivers before they go down there. And as he's having everybody sign the waivers, he's like looking at me. And because we had never met in person before. Mm-hmm. And so we're just, he's, he's looking at me and I'm not saying anything. Cause I'm just, you know, trying to blend in the background. And then he goes, Tim, <laughs> so, <laughs> it was funny that that's how we, we met for the first time in person, but it was, um, I was going to go the last time that the event was in Harrisville and uh, they had just taken the, over the house, I believe. And I was going to go over and, and meet him and Jen and see the house for the first time. And I was messaging him on Facebook to say, Hey, I'm going to come over. Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm it, 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 it. but he had just had to delete his Facebook like right before that because of something that was going on. So I just missed him. So that's, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm glad we were able to meet and I was able to meet his wife at ocean state Paracon before. So, um, they did a great job, but of course, you know, now there's a new owner. Uh, they're still helping out with stuff there. But uh, so he gave the tour that that time that we went and not a lot of stuff happened that day that we were there. We had some interesting things. There was more. There was another couple that was there with us that was getting a whole bunch of stuff happening. But the last time that I went there, uh, Ken DaCosta had a had an event there and he invited me as 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 the guest investigator. And it was an overnight. It was my first time ever doing an overnight anywhere because, as you know, I always go home and go to sleep around three, four in the morning. Uh, But I stayed all the way until like seven or eight a.m. And 
I had one really weird experience. I mean, there was a number of weird things that were going on that night, but one thing that I couldn't explain. So they have what they call the birthing room, which is off what was Andrea's bedroom. And it's like this, this almost like attic space. You know, you know how it is. You have these, these spots in these old houses where it's, uh, it's, you know, the, the, the roof section of that part of the house but it's, it's not a room or anything that anybody goes into. It's like a storage area. Yeah. Or in this case, you know, this is where they would put somebody if they were sick or, you know, maybe if somebody was dying, they'd put them in there. Or if somebody was giving birth, put them in there. So we, I was in there by myself and everybody else is kind of doing their own thing. And Jacqueline, block your ears. I went on TikTok live. <laughs> She's not worried about my videos. I have like, uh, I have like a thousand followers on TikTok, just enough to go live. But anyway, so I went on TikTok live because I just wanted, I'd never done it before. I'd never really gone TikTok live. So I wanted to see, you know, how it would work out. And I wanted to see if, you know, anything happened. And so I had that going and I put my K2 meter down. Now, as you know, a K2 meter is not exactly a precise piece of equipment. No. It can get a lot of <coughs> interference. Yes. So I put it on top of a plastic bucket in the middle of this birthing room, which pitch black, no lights on. And I had my mag light, my mini mag light in my hand pointed at it as I was doing this TikTok live. Now, I'm far enough away from the K2 meter that my phone is not setting it off. So, like, there's... No, no way that my phone is setting it off, but I would take the flashlight and I would move the flashlight toward the K2 meter. And every time the flashlight shone on the K2 meter, lit up. it lit up. But then when I took the flashlight off of it, it would go back down and then I'd move the flashlight back on and it happened enough times that it was definitely the flashlight that was causing it. I've never seen that happen. I've never seen light cause the K2 meter to light up. Hmm. It wasn't my phone. You have me curious. Right. Was the bucket a plastic bucket? Pla one of those plastic, uh, like, tubs that has, like, the little rope handles on the side. You know, like, you might, okay. um, maybe some people use them for yard toys. Other people might put some plants what in them or something. What time of year? Uh, this was in February. Okay, so cold. Yeah, it wasn't particularly, I can't remember if it was really cold in that room or not. I don't think so. Because the heat was on in the house, so. Mm -hmm. It was probably a little bit chillier than, uh. Than the rest of the house, obviously, because uh, it's not I'm insulated. I'm just trying but. to think, you know, okay, during colder weather, you know, you have a buildup of ions. That's why you wind up getting a static shock when, mm -hmm. you, when you touch things. Um, and light does, can affect uh, charges. So if you got a charge building up on the plastic and you're running a light across it, you know, it, 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 I'm, I'm I trying tried, to stretch and I here tried, for a scientific so explanation. So I went down and here, I told Ken about it, and we went back upstairs and we tried to recreate it. And it wouldn't couldn't do, it. do it. And that was maybe, it was maybe like 15, 20 minutes after I had just done it. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, atmospheric changes that would have happened in that yeah. time, I don't think. But that that is curious. Yeah. yeah. Light is energy, and, you know, it, and it does interfere with other energies. You know, uh, but... You got me kind of stumped on that one. I, yeah, that's all I can really come up I, with. I was trying. I was racking my brain trying to figure out how it does it. I can show you the video later too. It's 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 pretty interesting. But it, it to me, you know, I thought about all the times and all the different situations I'd had a K two meter out, 
and a flashlight. I must have shined the flashlight on it a bunch oh, yeah. of times. You know, I, I can I can think of when I was at um, uh, the cemetery, uh, the uh, Reverend Barnard House in, in North Andover, just outside of Salem. So this was where one of the, we thought he was one of the accusers in the Salem Witch Trial, Reverend Thomas Barnard. Um, and we used to investigate there under those pretenses that he was one of the accusers who sent these people to death unnecessarily. And in the course of the, the last time we were there accusing him, the when we were at the cemetery, I realized that it was about to be the 300th anniversary of his death the following year. And then I looked on the calendar and saw that the day of his death was a Saturday night. So I immediately booked that date for an event the following year. And so in the time between that day and when we went back on the anniversary of his death, the historical society discovered that he was not an accuser. He was actually trying to exonerate the people who were accused. So then we went back there with that new approach. And I, the, so it would have been the night that we were still accusing him. I had put my K2 meter out and I had it on a fence post and I was constantly bringing my light over there. Nothing. Nothing. Probably at one point, probably within equi the same distance as I was from the from the K2 meter in the Conjuring House. Nothing happened. You know, probably the same type of atmospheric conditions. Maybe a little bit warmer because it was October instead of uh, instead of February, February. But still, like that's probably the only other time I can think of that it would have been as close to that situation as it, as it was. But I don't have an explanation for it. It's it's on my TikTok. It's on my Instagram and Facebook videos, and I just I keep scratching my head at it hmm. but it's just one of the many weird things that's happened there well i would like to get a chance to get in there like i said both to do a scientific investigation as well as um, a personal investigation you, you have to go with cody and satori and i won't okay i well, won't i won't tell you all the secrets of of why but they they, they have a, a technique that they utilize that blew my mind in that place okay they, so but you know what? I I, I, I can. I think I, can, I know about. I can that discuss it. So they they do they do this thing where when they touch the whole, each other, hold hands. Thing there'll be some knocks, knocks that happen. Yeah, and I, I've they, heard that. They were happening right over my head, right on the wall behind me. So this isn't them causing the knocks. We were in where the sisters had slept. What was their bedroom? Mm -hmm. And so there's no way anybody's like above us knocking anything. Everybody that was in the house was in this room including Jacqueline, including Ken, including the dog, including the cat. Like everybody was all in this room. And so they're on the other side of the room and these knocks are happening right by my ear on the wall next to me and then right on the ceiling over me and all kinds of strange things. And at one point, so in this room, if you have read Andrea's books, it talks about how her sisters had the this this thing that would appear on the wall in their bedroom. Well, as Andrea was telling, Andrea was there that night, and as she was telling us, the closets that are in that room now weren't there originally. So that was an open wall all the way back there, and that's with the wall that they saw what was going on on. And while we were in that room doing, and Cody and Satori were doing their thing, the dog comes over, and the dog starts growling at the door of the closet. This is after the closet door had already opened on its own right in front of me and Ken. Question. Whose dog? Uh, Jacqueline's. Okay, so the dog is in the home. It's yeah, not like there. somebody... Yeah, yeah. okay. So, 
Um, well, it doesn't really live there, but, like, but it's there all the time. It's not some some random dog that was brought. I think she takes yeah. the dog with her when she yeah. goes home, but like the dog the dog is there all the time. Yeah. So it was it was those are just some of the very interesting things that have happened. But again, if you if you want to check it out, you can go to the website for it and you can be able to book a tour uh, for yourself. Matt, I got a message here from Matt in Springfield, and he says, "Can Matt tell the story?" Of the third-party tour guide identifying his deceased father on the military ship, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck last time. So I don't know if you recall that story. I don't. I don't recall. My deceased father on the military ship. Yeah, he says. Can you tell the story of the third-party tour guide identifying your deceased father on the military ship? I don't. I don't know if I recall that story. If you don't, that's fine. Uh, well, my deceased father was seen in where he used to work, and that's where they had the Paracon um, in uh, the racetrack at the um, at the uh, Plain Ridge Park. Yeah, my father worked there for the state for many years, and one of the other guys that worked there with my father and several other people. His office was on basically the first floor, and he always used to have the door open, and his desk was near the, near near the door because he would have to. Basically, he was an accountant for the state, and he would have to go collect basically the state's money after each race, you mm -hmm. know, because the state would get a cut. So he would have to leave his office. You know, okay, here's you know the bill for the state's cut after this race, and walk back and forth. And uh, on several occasions, he was seen by uh, one of the other co-workers that used to have several of the tellers, um, one state police officer, and um, a number of patrons. And these are all people that knew him because, you He's know. there every day. Right. And so are they. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure about the, it being on a ship, though. I can, I can tell you the most paranormal thing that happens at uh, Plain Ridge Park now, that on a busy Saturday morning, they don't have anybody working in the Dunkin' Donuts down there. <laughs> oh, it caused a huge problem. Ask, ask Vin about that. Vin, <laughs> Vinny from Dark Side Inc. Oh, man, he was not happy that day when he couldn't get his Dunkin' Donuts. We, we were like, all right, somebody's got to go make a Dunkin' run. Cause, but the, um, yeah, I don't recall that story either. But maybe, maybe uh, Matt in Springfield can can let us know what he's referring to. I mean, I, I, if it was your story, you'd remember it. Yeah. And I, uh, I do know my, that's the only deceased father, uh, stories that I heard of is from where he was working. Uh, I, I did share a story about your mom this week. Okay. Well, Which a, story, a story that you told me about your mom, yeah. how your mom, the phone call. No, how your mom encountered Bigfoot in Fairhaven. Yes. Because I, I had to go to the bank and April, late March, early April, 1967, New Boston, just near New Boston Road. I was uh, at the bank and I was uh, meeting with the, the, the banker, you know, had to have something done to one of my accounts. And uh, we were talking about cryptids. Yep. And he's very interested in cryptids. And I mentioned, I was like, well, you know, my co-host is... Uh, his mom saw Bigfoot on you no know, close to New Boston Road in Fairhaven. Well, technically, she was nine months pregnant with me, so I was there. <laughs> you you didn't see it though. No, uh, my view was kind of limited. 
So, it, and it wasn't a case of mistaken identity, and it was just yeah, you this walking is, by because this is you weren't what, born yet. Several months before the Patterson film. Okay. As, so, as we say now, you know, you're part Bigfoot, but if you were already conceived, yeah, well, then, you know, this we can't blame this one on on, on we can't blame and you on, on that one. Her description was very. She was very adamant about what she saw and is like, it wasn't a monkey. It wasn't, you know, a, per, you know, I'd be a, a more excited if it was suit. a monkey. Well, her description of it is very much like other descriptions. You know, there's people don't understand. There isn't just one type of Bigfoot. There are just like there isn't one race of uh Homo sapiens. You know, you, you have Caucasians, you have African, you have Asian from what I've been able to discern by looking into the various Bigfoot reports, there are different types of Bigfoot as well. I'm sure they're going to have physical differences yeah, anyway. They, the hair colors, different facial features, are different height differences, weight differences. Uh, it seems that the, we'll call them the, the lowland type, even though I don't think that they're animals. I think they're a form of um, people. And that's going to upset a lot of people is the because let's face it, animals are easy to, you know, track down, hunt, and, you know, these things think. And if you're, if you're a thinking thing, you can get away from people. So I don't know. I, I can think and I can't seem to get them to leave me alone. No, but, but I mean, if you're in your element in the woods and you know the woods better and you, you can think and reason and, you know, humans are very easy to lose in the woods. I, I mean, I just take for granted that Bigfoot's probably around. I, I'd be more excited if it was a monkey. Imagine if there were monkeys living around here and we didn't know about it. That would yeah. be pretty cool. Well, we used to have lions and stuff here. Lions and bears and tigers and oh my. Yeah. Now, what we, we so that's a, that's a thing that I get into every year. There's an article that will come out about somebody seeing a mountain lion in the area. And every single time we write it, Mass Wildlife is like, no, there's no, there's no mountain lions around here. But I yet, believe there's a dash cam video, police dash cam video out of Marion of thing crossing uh, the pe cranberry bog. People there. send videos into us all the time. You know, they say, look what I caught. And you look at it and you're like, okay, like it's not a bobcat. I know the difference. Uh, and, you know, what else is it going to be? I mean, we always get the we always get the weird animal videos. Yeah. Like people send this in like, I can't identify what this is. And it's like, it's usually like a, a raccoon that has something stuck on its head. But, you know, this this is something that when you see it, you say, I don't know what else that could be. And I've just got to take your word for it that that's your backyard and, you know, marrying yeah. a Mattapoisett or something. But, yeah, no, there's there's definitely creatures around here that they tell us aren't here. I mean, for how many years, like the caller said earlier, you know, there's no bears around here. And there weren't. There weren't for a long time. They've started making yeah, their comeback here. Like because the one that got hit in Marion and they had to hunt it down and shoot that, it because it was injured. That was Boo Boo. Yeah, Boo Boo. That, but, was, that but, was the one that people had been seeing. Oh, no, that's like literally what they no, nicknamed no, him because he'd, he'd been seen so often down here. But that's what's happening is they're coming down here is they're they're not they're not finding mates as readily during the mating season, which is right now, by the way. Yep. So they're so they're coming down and they're coming close. Remember the story of the Cape Cod bear every year? They yeah, would always he used to catch swim. Him. swim no, he would go over the bridge. The bridge. They'd catch him on they the bridge also saw every year. Him swimming in the canal. Well, maybe that's because he didn't want to deal with the traffic. Yeah, I don't blame him. Especially now. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. I'm back. Um, okay. You, your mother seen Bigfoot? Yep. Wow. Right oh. right here in Fairhaven, 1967. Oh, 
I'm not going to dispute anything possible. Um, if Bigfoot does exist, it's a very rare animal. It's not an animal. He's not an animal? Not an animal. Uh, regardless of like a high powered rifle semi automatic if they had to confront him. Paranormal investigation. Excuse me. Um yeah, the Patterson film I think is a hoax. It clearly looks like No, a it's been clearly good. proven that it is not a hoax. All the people that have claimed that it is have been found to be uh inaccurate and in some cases lying. It's been scientifically know. investigated and they do have video close-up resolution of actual muscle movement as well as other anthropological uh, portions that cannot be a human in a suit. I don't know about that. I do. I, that's my job. Yeah, that's your, that's your opinion. It's not um, an, okay. Well, he's been researching cryptids for 20, 30 years. Yeah. yeah I'm also I'm, a scientist that looks into this stuff. Trust me. Okay, so let's see. Have you ever heard of the Ocean-Born Mary House in Hennecker, New Hampshire? No. No. That, they swore up in Hans Holes and swore up and down that that house was haunted. And they proved it to be a hoax. And everybody that's lived in that house until recent years has had harassment from tourists. Uh, children used to go and camp on the lawn and vandalize the property during Halloween. It got so bad. So now it's just like the Amityville house. You stop foot on that property, they can arrest you. There's well, it's no private. Yeah, you shouldn't be trespassing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm not denying or anything. I, I think it's possible there could be Bigfoot. Um, just like in the Bridgewater Triangle, they talk about big snakes and stuff. Of course, there's big snakes in there. It's a swamp. <laughs> yeah, it's a big swamp. And um, I, there's probably big turtles in there. Um, I think some of the stuff has been made up, like the red-headed hitchhiker that walks, what, Route 44? Yep. Yeah, so, so that's an interesting story because that red-headed hitchhiker legend exists not only on that road, uh, but other parts of Route 44. So I know people from other parts, well, Cl uh, Clarissa Vasquez, who we've had on the show, yeah. has talked about, you know, in the Texas end of Route 44, hearing about uh, the redheaded hitchhiker. We've had people who locally have heard about a redheaded hitchhiker on Route 6. So, I mean, the, that, that story, that idea, that trope uh, exists in a lot of places. And what I find interesting about it is it, if it is just a legend, people still have encounters and experiences with that legend. And I can't discount what people say happened to them. And when I went out, because we, when I went out and did the stage show where we is tell Is it a cultural topa? It could be, it, so it could be, but what happened is when we went out and told the, you did an evening of ghost stories, New England legends the first time I told that story and somebody came up to me afterwards and said, you know, I know you said in that, in that presentation that the, the redheaded hitchhiker is a legend that it wasn't a real person, but my brother was an EMT uh, in the seventies in, in uh, Rehoboth and said that he actually remembered the person that would have fit the description getting hit by a car while walking on the side of the Same road. Same thing with the cop that was his like first week on the job that also responded to that same accident. Right. So, so there could be, there we, could be some truth we, to it. There is truth to legend and you know, somebody being killed on, on the road. Now, 
It is it that fire. person it was, or, you know? It was supposed to be a farmer back in, I don't know, the 1930s or something. Uh, that That's pretty much legends. The, the hitchhiker story didn't really start until the late 70s, early 80s in it, that location. It really didn't start until the publication of uh, Charles Stark Robinson's New England Ghost, Ghost Files, but which he was got in that from 90 the, or 91. Yeah, the but the story started in the late 70s, early 80s. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to just hold you there, just because we get some other uh, some other calls here that I want to get to. But thanks thanks for calling in. All right, enjoy your show. Bye. And, Thank you. Uh, and by the way, if you are new to the program, uh, we have almost about 700 episodes available for you on podcast. Just type "Spooky South Coast" wherever you find your podcast, and you'll be able to find them all. And as I said, we do an, an episode every year where we send teams out into the Bridgewater Triangle. We missed it last year, but we send teams out into the Bridgewater Triangle and they do a live investigation while the show is going on. But we talk about it all the time on the program. So you can find a lot of talk about these legends and ghost stories and UFO sightings and Bigfoot sightings and cryptid creatures and all kinds of stuff from the Triangle throughout the last 17 years of the program. Good evening. You are next on Spooky South Coast. Hey, good evening, my friend. What's going on? I'm going to start on that one and then work to something else. Um, I think I said this to you a while back on your show here. Back in the mid-'80s, I lived in Taunton, and I was part of a race car team, and me and my roommate were coming back from Seekonk Speedway on the 4th of July celebration. 99% of the time, I drove back. But that night, he was driving because I was exhausted. It was super hot. Not a cloud in the sky. I get a little dehydrated, so I was resting my head. I wasn't sleeping. And... All of a sudden, he hollered and jerked the car to the side of the road. And he thought he saw something on the opposite side going kind of the direction we were going. Then as he got near it and he tried to look, he said he could almost see through it at the general description, and he pulled over and jerked. So I was like, what? So I get out and look, see nothing. He gets out, we see nothing. And he held that secret for like 10 years. And when he told his children about it, they totally freaked out. <laughs> Because we're going back to Taunton. Sure. Yeah. And um, if I was that picture, the animal, nature is not perfect. I'm thinking that picture in Mad Marion Madpoiset could have been a, uh, excuse me a second, <laughs> um, um, a fisher cat, but with different, discolor different coloration. Not all the animals are stuck to one specific No, I color. mean, a, a fisher cat and a, and a mountain lion would be two yeah. completely different appearances. So it was it was bigger than that. Okay. Yeah, and 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 a fisher cat is a misnomer. It's it's actually not so called it's a fisher so cat. It's, it's just, just called a fisher. fisher. Yeah. It's okay. a member of the weasel family. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I wrote I wrote a whole article about that because um, it's just become colloquially known yeah. as the fisher cat. But I wrote a whole thing about how it became known as that. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was fascinating to me how people, you know, it had to do with the I think the French word for it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. And, and, I guess, and up there. So it had to do with the French word for it and how it how it sounded. So then people started saying it that way. So people kind of assume that that's that that's what it is. That it's in that family. That is like similar to a no, bobcat, it's but it's not. It's a it's a weasel. Yep. It's a it's a um. What's the word? Okay. What's the word for weasels? What's the what's the type of animal they are? Uh, Rodent. Well, they're, they're related to rodents, yeah. Yeah, and, there's, and you know what else we have here that people don't realize? Minks. Yep. We also have stoats. I don't know what that is. Uh, think of a, um, a small weasel or uh, a... They're, 
smaller than um, minks, uh, probably a little bit bigger than squirrels. Um, I don't know how big a mink actually is because I've only seen them in the water. I mean, I've also seen them like dead on somebody's coat. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that we had minks around until I there was a photo of somebody sending something in the water, and someone's like, "Yeah, that that river is like loaded with minks." It's like what, like minks, like the animal, like they they have yeah. some at Buttonwood Zoo. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, they're they're natural around here. So, it, you know what? You really want to see some of the wildlife of the area. Go spend some time walking through the Blue Hills, and you'll see all kinds of stuff there oh, that yeah. you didn't realize were here. Like the first. Like, how about the rattlesnakes? With, I was going to say when I was seven or eight, walking with my dad through the Blue Hills, and everybody stopped looking at this rattlesnake that was crossing the road, and I was like, I thought there weren't rattlesnakes in Massachusetts, but there are. There's the eastern timber rattlesnake. Yep. They, now, you're not going to go find one in your backyard. Believe it or not, most venomous rattlesnake we have in the United States. Really? Yeah. There's uh, how's that? You know, everybody's worried about getting bit by a rattler out west. No, you don't want to get bit by one here. <laughs> so we only have those, and there's one other snake that is venomous in Massachusetts. Those only, I believe that is a water moccasin. Yeah, we do have water moccasins here. There's, um, I have a whole article that I wrote one time about like what snakes you can find and what pet, what we, what you can legally take home as a pet in Massachusetts. Like people think if you just go out into the woods, you can take something home. Well, you can't. No. Some of those things are protected. Same thing with turtles. Yeah, you can't take, almost all the turtles in Massachusetts are protected now, unfortunately. And salamanders. Because people just, you know, drive right over them. The um, the other thing about the the Bridgewater Triangle and some of the the strange creatures that are seen there, well, a lot of the reason why you see them there and nowhere else is because we enveloped that swamp with civilization. Right. They, so they, they got trapped. Yeah, they're kind of stuck there in the middle. Right. And one of the things that I found interesting was, and I always joked around that when they were when they were planning the uh, the electric route for South Coast Rail that would go through the Hockamock Swamp, you know, the first train that's going to go through there, they're going to see Bigfoot waving at them as they go through the Hockamock Swamp. <laughs> Hockamock Harry. But, the, but it's not really, like, it's not really a joke because if, if you start putting those trains through there, you are going to disrupt yeah. what has been an ecosystem in that area for a long time. Now, it looks like, it looks like that probably won't even happen. No. They probably won't build that route. But still, like... If that's because I, I just don't think the ridership's going to be there for the diesel route to make it worth building the electric route, but the um, the disturbing that and then trying to force that wildlife out into the surrounding areas, you would have things that would go extinct pretty quickly. Yes, uh, including Bigfoot. Although I don't think he's just yeah. limited to there. I think he's uh, kind of all over. You you go out and you look for him in places like Middleborough and yeah. even on the Cape. So Middleborough, Lakeville, um, Asona. Freetown, you know, he's all, there's also been reports in Easton and um, obviously Bridgewater, West Bridgewater. So going back to our, um, going back to our, you know, main topic of, of, of tonight, of these locations that, that charge money, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question right after we take this phone call because we have a caller here. Good evening. You were on Spooky South Coast. Hello. Yeah, the only venomous snakes in Massachusetts are the rattlesnake and the copperhead. There are no water markers. Right, the copperhead. That was what yeah. I was thinking of. Yep. yep. Look it up. All right. Thanks. Okay. That's uh, that's your limit for phone calls for tonight. Uh, so going back to the to the main question, you know, one of the places that is 
one of the more expensive places to investigate. One of the more expensive places to book is Waverly Hills, which you've had a yes. chance to go there and investigate. Um, and that's one of those places where it's on a lot of people's bucket lists. It's not always affordable for them, but there are people who are able to to bring a group of people and book the whole place for themselves. You actually got in there on a night when there was, you know, very, very little stuff going on for other people being there. Yeah, I had the place basically myself, yeah. But is that a place that, you know, looking at the, and I don't know what they're charging these days for it, but looking at it, would you say, you know, you're getting the value for the price and going there and investigating? I, I would say yes. So there you have one of the most expensive places to investigate, and you and countless others who have gone there and investigated say it's worth oh, yeah. paying that price. I mean, every time I've been there, now as you know, I've been there several times. Uh, one time, like I said, I had the entire place to myself. I had um, my buddy Joe with me. He had just been discharged from the uh, Army after 20 years. And... <clears throat> This man knows night vision stuff. He was working with stuff long before any of us knew what the hell that stuff was. And he was recording on that, and we got what we got, and which has the, now become, you know. The very first Spooky South Coast YouTube video. Yeah. And, uh, but even without recording, just walking through there was crazy. Now, I had had other experiences in there before I picked up Joe and, and stuff like that. And every time I've gone there... That's been what the place has been like, just off the chart. And so if, if that's the, you know, if that's the place that you put at the top of the list of terms of like what people charge and I'm just, just looking at how many people have looked at that video in the time since we see the, the problem is, is we first uploaded it with a, with a typo and we, um, we had some editing issues with it and then we ended up re-uploading it so it's actually up there twice but you can you can see it if you go to spooky type in spooky south coast waverly hills and the video will come up um but if that's the place that charges you know for what most people feel the most and they can still pack the place and have it it just goes to show that the market as we said the market is what people are willing to pay and so if that kind of trickles down there's very few places i think that are more famous than the conjuring house so for them to be able to, as, as Jacqueline said, you know, we're filled up. So if, if it's working, it's working. And I, I don't, I don't pay to go to places, so I can't really speak to it because I'm, I'm in a fortunate situation where, you know, the, these places can benefit from having me go. So either I'm running an event there or I'm there with somebody else, or I'm there to kind of learn about it, to talk about it on the radio. But if I was going to pay for it, I don't think I've ever seen a place that I've looked at and said, no way would I pay for that. You know, granted, it's never something I would pay myself. I would want to break it up over a group of people, but mm. still, and it's just people ask me to do that all the time. And I just, I say no, because I'm just cheap. Like, it's not because it's not worth it. It's just because I'm just not going to pay for it because I'm cheap. <laughs> if you want to rent it and have me come by, I'm happy to do it though. 508-996-0500. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Hey, Tim, it's Mark Colacustis. How you hey, doing? Mark, how's it going? Good. Uh, I was listening to the show, obviously, and uh, when you talk about rattlesnakes, I was out cleaning the path that goes to the skim milk bridge, mm -hmm. yep. and there was a rattlesnake out there. Oh, that's that's a little bit far out. Uh, I, Way far from Bridgewater Triangle. For I mean, not Bridgewater Triangle, from the Blue Hills. 
for a snake to go unless someone let it loose. Well, they're, they're southeastern Massachusetts. They're not just, I had one at the lab I was working at in Wareham. My ex-wife went out in the parking lot while I was working. You know, wait, she was waiting for me to get done, and she fancied herself as a photographer and was taking pictures and saw this little snake curled up in the corner of the uh, uh, parking lot sunning itself. So she went over to take a picture, and... You know, the thing started rattling, and she comes running oh, into yeah. the lab, and is like, there's a rattlesnake out here, there's a rattlesnake out here. I'm like, yeah, okay, honey, no, they're not <laughs> really around in here. It's like, well, you know, typical, you know, dismissive, and it's like, and she got indignant, so, well, you come out here and look. And so I trudged out there, looked, and no surer than Sherlock, it was hey, a rattlesnake. Hey, hey, Mark, cool. Mark, speaking of venom, did you, did you hear the venom in his voice as he said, fancied herself a photographer? He couldn't, he couldn't just say she was a photographer. She liked to take photographs. Uh, he, let that go. He, had to yeah. <laughs> he still snake bit from that, I guess. All right. <laughs> That's enough puns All right, out of me. Good night, guys. All right. Thanks. Take it easy. Uh, yeah, no more no more puns for me in the final uh, three minutes here of the show. Uh, 508-996-0500 if you want to try to squeeze in a call. Uh, but uh, I want to say that... Um, you know, certainly this is a topic that we will continue discussing. The idea of... These places that are open. See, think about this. Think about when we started doing this, 2006, 2007, 2008, that era, before there was a proliferation of TV shows, before there was social media that was advertising these places. Yeah, you were going to be able to get into them a lot easier. You were going to be able to get into them probably for free. You were going to be able to get into them maybe for a, a nominal donation to a historical society or something. And some you still can but as people have, as the interest has grown in them and people want to go, it has become a business. And Jacqueline Nunez is an example, purchasing the Conjuring House, did not purchase that house uh, to live in or to have as an investment property in terms of like, I'm just going to sit on this till the market turns. No, she bought it to be a business, taking over and, and expanding upon the business that the Heinzens had started before her. And the idea was to make it into a profitable venture that would, you know, she's not looking to get rich off of it, but she wants to make sure that it's self-sustaining so that people can continue to go there and investigate. And just because some people have an issue with that, don't let that dictate whether or not you want to go there and have that experience for yourself. Ultimately, it's all up for you. I would never pay what it costs to go to Disney World, but I know people that go there five times a year. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's all about what you are willing to pay for and what you're comfortable with. And remember, the main point of it all, nobody owes you anything. Just because they own a haunted location and you're a paranormal investigator, they don't owe you anything. In fact, if my house was haunted and all my paranormal friends wanted to come over and investigate, I'd tell them no. No, that's my house. You're not coming over. I don't even want you coming over to hang out, let alone come over and investigate. It's my sanctuary. Nobody's allowed to go there. Uh, I just saw Lou Angeli on the on the television. They, you know, they've been running all kinds of people that we know as. We have <laughs> travel channels on in the background showing a haunting. So I always put it on travel channel while we're in here just to kind of set the mood a little bit for, for Spooky South Coast. But that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Uh, we will be back maybe next week. Uh, stay tuned, and uh, and you can always check out all of our past episodes by going to wherever you get your podcast from and searching Spooky South Coast. That could be Spotify. That could be Apple Podcasts.
podcast. That could be Google Podcasts. It could be Amazon Music. It could be Stitcher. We are all over the place. Uh, we recently moved the files over to Anchor. So if you were following the previous RSS feed, it has changed. So just go out there and find the new one, and you'll be able to subscribe to that and follow it and be able to get all of the episodes. So that'll do it for this week's show. Until next time, for Matt, for Stephanie, I am Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.